Just gone five o'clock here on 105.9 City Talk. I'm John Bradley. This is your usual helping of a guide around the world of football. It's Planet Football right here, right now. 5pm every Tuesday night. And tonight we're going to have a little look at Scottish football. It might just be north of the border, but we want to have a little look at the state it's currently in with the demise of Rangers and Celtic running away with the league like you knew full well they would do. So we're going to have a little look at how that is progressing up there with a special guest from north of the border. We're also going to deal with the moves that occurred over the transfer window, the big moves from deadline day from around Europe. And we'll have a look back at the week of football that has just gone by in Europe and we'll have a look ahead to the international games, which of course take place tomorrow. Some absolutely mouth-watering ones. Before we get underway, though, a couple of news stories that have caught my eye over the last couple of days that you may have seen or may not. Obviously, the latest on the match fixing, my take on it. Europol's report yesterday said that a total of 425 players, officials and serious criminals have been in... The influence of affecting the course of 380 matches across Europe, including the one, of course, that featured Liverpool. So they say Liverpool against the Bretzen in the Champions League back in 2009. Europol, what I want to know is whatever happened to Interpol, by the way, uh, they'll be contacting the relevant FAs, UEFA and FIFA to report their findings and then it's up to the relevant courts and football authorities to deal with it. It's obviously the start of what is going to be a, a much wider story. The problem that you've got nowadays is that while footballers in our country, in Spain, in Italy and, you know, in the major European leagues um, are very well paid, over in Eastern Europe, the Hungarys, the Romanias uh, of this world, they're not particularly well paid for what they do and that's why that these sort of things can be an influence in those leagues and I think that this is only really the tip of the iceberg we're going to see a lot more on that over the uh, coming months elsewhere UEFA have been running a trial run of their fair play regulations which are being implemented now a total of 46 clubs that ran at a loss over the trial period that they ran 20 failed to run within the acceptable total of 45 million losses over three seasons UEFA have said that they intend to closely scrutinise deals that they feel are designed to get round their regulations what they're basically saying there is the likes of Paris Saint-Germain who have got a deal with uh, Qatari Tourism and Manchester City's deal with Etihad saying that they're linked already with the owners and so they're all going to be scrutinised and it looks as though they're going to have a real go on the fair play regulations let's hope they do as well because it's about time football got sorted out right let's get into it let's speak to Rob Daly Roberto. Hello, mate. You alright? Yeah, how's things? Yeah, very good, thanks. How are you? You will notice that we are flying solo. I'm flying solo tonight. Statman John isn't with us. Hopefully he'll be back in a few weeks. But uh, tonight we're flying just me and thee, my friend. Are you a bit lonely? Uh, nope. <laughs> I don't ever get lonely, mate. I'm alone. I'm not lonely, as Robert De Niro said in Heat. 
Good reference to pull out the bag, and it's nice to hear Interpol's name mentioned yeah, as well. Yeah, by the way, who are Europol and who are Interpol? Are, are they the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm, I, I'm very I, ill-informed. Nor do I care. Nor yeah. do I care. My friend, what have you been up to? Uh, I was covering the Newcastle-Chelsea game of the weekend, so I saw a bit of a banger there, and it was pretty interesting to see Moussa Sissoko, we've talked about on the show, I think, before, uh, have an instant impact in the Premier League after his move from Toulouse. Yeah. Uh, he, he dominated the second half in particular and just looked colossal. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops and over the rest of the season. I think we both saw him play in France, and he, and he looked useful. I, I wasn't expecting him to... To pull up trees, I'll be honest. But, you know, he's, he's done all right, hasn't he? No, I, I felt the same. I actually think that Etienne Capoue, who, who he played alongside in the mm. centre of midfield for Toulouse, was uh, a better player. But people are talking about the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool and Everton having to pay €16 million Euros for him, which is, you know, a bit crazy. Let's have a look at what happened on Transfer Deadline Day last week across Europe, mate, because it was pretty quiet. Um, around Europe. I think that, you know, the, the current financial problems that are affecting the countries are finding their way down to the to the main leagues. It did seem as though clubs in Italy, though, were doing most of the business. It's interesting because I don't... There just simply isn't as much money in Italy as there, as there is over here in particular. So deals weren't really happening of major note in the summer and certainly not for the fees that we saw maybe in the late 90s or early 21st century when Italian clubs were arguably the biggest spenders um, but some interesting movement and obviously Mario Balotelli was the big one wasn't it for yeah. uh, 90 million pounds I think they said it was in the end or it will be with add-ons and stuff and um, it was a move that was always going to happen. He was always going to end up at Milan even when he was an Inter player he controversially got uh, filmed in a AC Milan shirt and uh, got into a bit of bother there. But he's a Milan fan, and uh, it looks like that's a player they needed because Pato went out on loan, Ibrahimovic went in the summer, Robinho isn't performing. They've been over reliant on El Shirawi, um, so an interesting signing for Milan there. Uh, Pato scored on his debut, didn't he, down uh, in South America? Balotelli obviously scored two on his debut on Sunday night. We'll, we'll look at that in the next part when we review the leagues. But what Mario Balotelli did, which I think we should be eternally grateful to him for, is this. Have a listen to this. Mario, hi. Uh, Anthony Kastronakis from The Sun, England. Uh, I wanted to ask you... Listen, uh, your newspaper, from when I got to England... He always talk bad about me, so I don't want to speak with you in the newspaper, sorry. I don't know who that was clapping at the end of it, but <laughs> basically, Mario Balotelli just went like that to the guy from the sun and just went, go away, not I, speaking to you. This is what I like about Mario, perhaps, more than anything, is that he, he isn't boring, for one, and he certainly has something to say whether it's in the, his demeanour on the pitch or off it. You know, his interview with Noel Gallagher's really interesting. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's really great because Noel appreciates him because he mm. does have something to say. Do you know something, mate, as well? A lot of people, you know, he's obviously an extrovert, he's a character, but I think he's far from thick, you know. I think he's very perceptive. I think he is as well, and you'll notice that none of his teammates had a bad word to say about him mm when he left, you know, they all say, oh, he'd frustrate us on certain days, you know, and Mancini said, I can only be around him a certain few hours a week or I'd kill him. Um, but he, he is very perceptive and I think he's quite funny. 
and and nice of him to do that. I think not bad. Good on him, Mario. A couple of other moves in Italy that, that that caught my eye. Momo Sissoko, the former Liverpool man, has gone back to Italy from Paris Saint Germain, hasn't he? I think I don't understand that deal to be honest, because when I've seen Fiorentina play this season, they've got this really nice passing game going at the minute. And while I thought Suzuka at one point, in particular for Liverpool, when it was that, you know, arguably the best group of central midfielders in the world when it was Mascherano, Alonso, Gerard and Suzuka, and he was very good at one point. I don't see how he fits in that team um, because he isn't that type of footballer, is he? He sort of breaks up play and moves the ball on. So, interesting one, and there's just, there's no room for the spot at the minute, Paris Saint-Germain, you know, he's not going to get in the team, so. Yeah, um, he's gone to Fiorentina, he's on loan, but they have to buy him in the summer, that, that, that's the deal. And of course, they've already got a, a, another former Liverpool man there in uh, in Aquilani as well, but uh, Pizarro's there as well, they've got a very useful team now, Fiorentina. Yeah, and and, and they are getting plaudits for the, the brand of football they're playing, you know, they've been well off the pace, the other teams in Italy, for a, for a number of years now, and certainly when Italian football was on Channel 4. I remember almost, always loving watching Fiorentina. Um, so it looks like they're starting to build something again. It's whether they can keep those those players who are the creative spark because, you know, mm. clubs will be circling in the summer. We know that. Here's a strange deal. Marcel Buchel, Austrian, went from Siena to Juventus. He's never played for Siena. He's been out on loan. He's currently on loan at Cremonese, but has signed for Juventus. I can't work this one out. I've been looking at the figures, right? Because I don't get this either. He was, he was basically half-owned by Juventus. So I think Juventus bought out the other half of him because in Italy they do have these co-ownership deals, as we've seen, be quite problematic. You know, Fabio Barini, obviously Roma had to buy out the rest of his contract so they could then sell him to Liverpool. Um, but Bucelli, he's been playing in the third tier of Italian football. Mm. I think he's 21. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um... I don't know what they've seen there, unless there's a potential buyer and they want to sell him themselves. But um, really, I, I have to agree. You, you emailed me earlier saying, this is a weird deal. Yeah. <laughs> I have to agree. I don't really understand it. Now, one that did catch our eye, which I think is a very exciting move, is Matteo Kovacic, who has gone from Dinamo Zagreb to Internazionale. 9.5 million is the fee that we're told for that. Uh, we've both seen him play in mm. the UEFA Champions League. Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League are hopeless. In the domestic <laughs> league, they're brilliant. But this boy can play. Oh, he can. And there have been, I think, some unfair comparisons to... It's uh, any time a, some, a Croatian wonder kid comes through now, it's... You get the Modric comparison. Milan Badel had this problem uh, when he was at Dinamo Zagreb. He's now gone to Hamburg, and people are saying, oh, he's supposed to be the next Luka Modric, and it didn't happen. Uh, Kovacic is probably going to be a better player than Milan Badel. You know, he looks very exciting, and it's quite interesting, you know. Uh, looking at the transfer fee, it looks like they've paid out more than they got in for Coutinho from Liverpool. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so... Very adventurous, and they must think very highly of him. They'll have been watching him for a while, because people have been watching him since he was, like, 16. The problem when you come from that area of the world is what they're looking for is the next Zvonimir Boban, Robert Prozenetsky. Mm. You know, they're looking for the next ones of those, aren't they? Because when Croatia got independence, they did so well so quickly with that wonderful team. But since then, it, it's just started to slide down a little, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And, you know, their team... Flattered to deceive at times. I mean, I thought they were very good at Euro 2008 Croatia. And then they had that awful quarterfinal with Turkey where they scored in the last minute of extra time and then conceded 
even later than that. They have been gross underachievers. Um, but if Kovacic is starting to play for a team like Inter, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Um, you know, he might inspire that national team to great yeah. things. Now, in Spain, it was very, very quiet, and that's no surprise given the financial predicament in Spain at the moment. The biggest news, I would suggest, was Isco signing a new deal with Malaga with uh, a massive new uh, get-out clause mm. in it. But apart from that, there wasn't not much that caught the eye. Diego Lopez went to Real Madrid from Sevilla just like a few days before. But deadline day itself was pretty quiet, wasn't it? Yeah, Diego Lopez only brought in to really cover the fact that Ike Casillas is injured for the UEFA Champions League game with Manchester United. Yeah. Lopez, a graduate of their academy, and delighted to go back to Real as being a bit second fiddle at, uh, at Sevilla. But the transfer window in Spain and deadline day really doesn't translate over there the same way. They don't get excited that mm. excited about it. Um, you know, it doesn't work in the same way as we have. You know, it's, you have it on telly all day and you'll have the radio on and everything. Trust me, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, by about five o'clock, I was, I was sick of it. Um, the, the funny thing was, is the only thing that tickled me was the man that looked like a thumb. Who was hanging around outside Tottenham? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hanging around outside Tottenham's that. training ground. Uh, if you do look on my Twitter at JB Commentator, it's last week. I'll retweet it today. Um, but the man looked like a thumb. He basically was a thumb in a hoodie. Thumb in a hood. And he was a grown man. What were you doing outside a training ground at eleven o'clock at night? You're a grown man. I know. I it's... don't know who these people. What are they up to? Um, let's just go through them. Diego Buonanotte went to Granada from Malaga, didn't he? Yeah. Which was interesting. I a useful squad player to me for Malaga. He can really take a free kick, but they've really not used him this mm. season, so I presume they've looked at it and gone, well, we might as well try and recoup some money. They, they spent four and a half million. Yeah. Had his off-field problems you, as well with he, that car crash as well. Yeah, he has, yeah. He? So, uh, another interesting one, Robert Aquafresca went to Levante from Bologna. He's only 25. I think he scored like 12 goals in 18 games for Italy under 21s, but Levante are his seventh club. Well, is he going to be one of these players? You know, I mean, um, who was the guy who was scoring for Italy under-21s uh, who, who went to Middlesbrough? Macaroni. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and he looked like he was going to be the real deal, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, and if you're on your seventh club by, what is he, 25, 25 now? you don't know what's going to happen. Um, he really hasn't lived up to expectations, but... Um, Nabil El-Zhar is there, isn't he, as well, I think. Nabil El-Zhar is, is currently uh, playing out there, yes, and yes, doing quite uh, well as well. And Obafemi Martin, so we can get some game time <laughs> up front with him. Now, in France, there were two moves from England to France that people probably didn't notice. Ryan Mason, who's a young striker from Spurs, has gone to Lorient. And Mohamed Abu has gone from Manchester City to Lorient as well. Abu is an interesting one because he's now 21, and I think he has picked up caps for the uh, Ghana national team and he's been out on loan they've sent him to Scandinavia and he was actually supposed to go to North Yelland that fell through and so he got sent on to, late, uh, to Lorient right at the end of the transfer window uh, you imagine it, it won't happen for him at Manchester City now you know if you're 21 I don't know if, if they're thinking he'll he'll actually have an impact at some point but yeah it really snuck under the radar didn't it I saw Man City announced it in the morning and people weren't picking up to the afternoon I think it got buried under all the Beckham stuff in particular it's true stay there Rob we're going to review the weekend action in the leagues across Europe the top leagues across Europe we're going to do that next this is 105.9 Planet Football and this is City Talk <laughs> Planet Football on City Talk 105.9.
Welcome back to Planet Football with me, John Bradley, on 105.9 City Talk. Tonight, as ever on Planet Football, we are in the company of Daily Into Europe. I'll never get tired of that theme tune. No, it works every time. It does work every time. Right, we've (laughs) dealt with the transfers, and they were quite interesting, but let's be honest, transfer deadline day is a bit boring these days. I'm fed up of it. I'm sure everyone else is. The problem is, is that people demand marquee signings all the time, and then clubs have to pay over the odds for players and then have to pay them bigger wages because it's transfer deadline day. And then, for me, those costs are probably passed on to fans in the shape of ticket prices. It's a vicious circle, I think it's the, wrong day to make a mar- it's the wrong day yeah. to make the marquee signing, isn't it? I'd scrap them, mate. I would scrap them totally. Yeah. Right, let's deal with the leagues across Europe. We've already talked about Mario Balotelli. Uh, hit a brace on his debut, including a 93rd-minute penalty against Udinese. Now, it's lifted them above Inter, Inter fourth. There's clear signs of progress for Milan again. Uh, and, of course, they play Barcelona in the Champions League, what, a week on Tuesday? I think it is. So uh, there's clear progress there, isn't there? There is indeed, and what was quite exciting about the first goal in particular for Balotelli was the combination play with El Shirawi, who he will surely be, they will surely be the fulcrum of the Italian attack going forward for the Italian national team. And his Balotelli's first goal was really good. Uh, his penalty simply wasn't a penalty. Um, it shouldn't have been given. But he, he did his standard thing where he takes sort of two steps up, looks very cool, and just slotted it in the corner. So an amazing debut for Balotelli. And he might give Milan a lift that they need... Um, for the rest of the season he won't be able to play in the UEFA Champions League but that might give they might be able to give El Shirari a a rest Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out for the rest of the season but instantly he's a hero in Milan Has there ever been a cooler penalty taker than Mario Balotelli I don't know if there has I mean you know Letizia would be as dependable as that but not with the same swagger Now Balotelli's two goals overshadowed what was another big story in Italy this weekend Roma's 4-2 home defeat by Cagliari in the Stadio Olimpico it proved to be the final nail in the coffin for Zdenek Zeman uh, the what is he 65 year old now mm. he he leaves after Roma they were five without a win in Serie A although prior to that they won five on the spin they're eighth in the table though aren't they it just shows how temperamental owners can be and you know things it's really hard for Roma to compete you know we were talking about Fiorentina before um, Roma just aren't competing at the level of the as the other top teams at the moment either they've done well in keeping hold of the likes of uh, Totti in previous years, he's not in demand now, but certainly uh, Daniela De Rossi, who's continually linked away with PSG and Man City, um, but still not getting results. And it was an embarrassing loss. The nature of the loss was really mm. bad. And they can't get a settled manager. You know, they tried uh, Luis Enrique, um, who was in charge of the Barca B team. They wanted him to try and bring that philosophy to the club. Didn't work. Uh, Ranieri's been there recent times. He did okay. I think he took them into second in one season. Um, but unfortunate for Zayman, regardless of how much of an icon you are, uh, it doesn't buy you that much more time in the managerial they're, they're game. They're just too open, aren't they? I mean, I've watched them a lot this season. Oh. I, I find them really entertaining. Uh, and you look at the attacking players they've got. For me, Eric Lamella, the, the young Argentinian, is a wonderful, wonderful player. But at times, they're just too open. They are, and... 
they shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, uh, Stecklenburg hasn't been getting a game, obviously, and he had his calamitous move to full and fall through on transfer deadline day when he was already on the plane to London. Mm. The goalkeeper in goal on, on the weekend pushed one into the net. Oh, uh, it's it was, brilliant. Goitachea. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's, uh, there is a YouTube video. Syria have got their channel, so you can Just search we can post it. Goitachea, yeah. It was an awful, <laughs> awful, basically a straightforward cross. Went to catch it and just threw it into the net. It was ludicrous. And if you're a manager under pressure, they're the things that happen, <laughs> and you can't legislate for them, can you? So, no. unfortunate for Zayman, um, but it'll be interesting to see who gets that job next. Yeah, at the top, Juventus and Napoli are still the top two. The gap's three points. Juve won at Chievo. Napoli beat Catania. But third place, Lazio, were beaten at Genoa, so they're now six adrift, so two-horse race? Probably. And the way that Cavani's been speaking this week. There's big rumours today that Cavani uh, will join Real Madrid in the summer. Um, I think they're coming out of Spain. So it's interesting that the way Cavani's been speaking over the past seven days, he's saying, look, we're in the title race. We have to go for it now. And he's speaking like a man who knows that if this Napoli team, this, this Napoli team, which is becoming an iconic Napoli team, the last time really, you know, the Maradona sort of team, they have to win the title this season because the team may be broken up at the end of the season. You know, you've got Hamshik there who's been courted mm. for a long time. Um, so I think Napoli are really going to have to go for it. You've obviously recruited a Nelka, um, but I don't know how much that would really contribute to their title push. Yeah, be interesting. Let's move on to France and let us get down on our knees and hail a new footballing genius. Monsieur or Signor, or whichever you want to say, Lucas Moura. My word, what a talent. What a player. And it's so interesting to see where PSG are playing in them. They, they beat a Toulouse side that having to cope without Moussa Sissoko now, 4-0. Um, and he was just creating everything, wasn't he? They're playing him wide right, where he did play in Brazil. Mm. I was thinking when they signed him that he was really a number 10 Um and how was he going to fit into that team with Pastore and other playmakers there? But my word, him and him and Ibrahimovic in particular, don't you think, John, have already got an understanding? Oh, wow, wow. I mean, yeah. they won 4-0 at Toulouse. It was probably the most impressive display of Ancelotti's reign so far. And I imagine Sir Alex Ferguson sat watching that thinking, can't believe we didn't get him because Manchester United were very close to signing Lucas Moura. Just blown out of the water with a yeah. fee in the end. And it, and it, look, I think we're still... It's, we can still safely say it's a risk that PSG has spent, what was it, 40 million yeah, euros on it? He's 20, isn't he? Yeah, he's only 20. Um, but I'm sure Man United will look back to the time they bought Rooney and thought that was a big risk mm. on that outlay on, on a teenager. And that came good. And Lucas Moura might be the outstanding performer for PSG in future years. Now, it was a great weekend for PSG in France, but it was a bad weekend for Lyon and Marseille. Lyon surprisingly beaten 3 1 at Ajaccio. Uh, that was that was a real shock, that one, wasn't it? It was, and Adrian Mutu got yeah. a couple of goals. He, he uh, I, I'm sure we've chatted about this before. He set a challenge to Ibrahimovic that he'd outscore him this season. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't quite worked out for good old Adrian. But uh, you know, a couple of goals at the weekend, and um, that's a big blow for Leon, who did a little bit of business out uh, late in the winter. You know, Michel Bastos leaving the club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, an interesting one, and. You just wonder now, are PSG going to get that momentum and fly away with it? Because obviously Marseille had a bit of a rotten result as well. 
Bastos had to go, though, didn't he? Uh, as yours and my good friend Andy Brassel, another European football expert, said to us, Bastos had to leave because he was no longer the best left-footed player <laughs> in France. That now, that title now is basically uh, Roman Alessandrini's, isn't it? It is now a France international it as well, is. of course. He's he will be involved. Up. Let's go to Spain, mate. Atletico Madrid were the only team in the top seven to win this weekend. They beat fifth place Real Betis 1-0 thanks to Diego Costa's goal. He's a horrible, horrible man, Diego Costa. <laughs> you want me to comment on that? He's a horrible, <laughs> horrible man. Why don't you like him? I think that he's aggressive. He's anti-football, is I it? I think he kicks people. I think he's yeah. narky. I don't think he's particularly pleasant. But what he does is score goals and he can be effective. And it's probably... So, it's not it's, nice, is it? It's not me. No, it, no, it's not. And and it's... But in fairness, it's probably the type of player that Diego Simeone would want in his team. <laughs> is it? With all respect to him. There's nothing like a good generalisation, <laughs> is there? <laughs> I've not spoken to Diego on the subject, but it's another Diego. The yeah. two in there. The best news for Atletico at the weekend was the, the return of Falcao. He's only been out for two weeks with a hamstring injury. We thought it would be longer, didn't we? It felt like a... It even felt like a long time mm. that he was out for that long, but... My God, what a player. Uh, the title race is gone for them now, I think. Um, but, you know, I'd, it'd be very interesting to see if Atletico can hold on to second above Real and finish above them for the first time, I think, this century. Listen, I've got to be honest now to everyone and hold my hands up. I turned off Barcelona versus Valencia the other night because I got bored. Did you really? Mm. Finish 1-1. Yeah, it did. Uh, Messi penalty and... But a great result for Valencia. Yeah, great. Especially after losing 5-0 at home oh. to Real Madrid. Where they looked to their lowest. I mean, they looked really bad. Valverde's had a tricky job there. But what is... I was looking at the league table today, John, and suddenly Valencia was so adrift with Pellegrino's manager from the UEFA Champions League spots. Now they're right in the chase for fourth spot. You know, there. Let's have a look. Three points, two points behind Malaga in fourth, even though they're seventh. You'd imagine Betis and Real Viercano may fall away from the rest of the pack. Yeah. Uh, and Valencia have the experience with the likes of Soldado and, and Jonas. Uh, they may be pushing for fourth now, so a good result the weekend against Barca, who've been a bit indifferent since the start of the year. Now, you know me, I've got a thing about certain footballers. And if I was a manager mm. and I could go out and buy certain players, I'd go and buy them and one of them is Tino Costa a very elegant player isn't oh, he just 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 if you ever get the chat if you ever watch Valencia just watch Tino Costa closely he's just just beautiful to watch he's just what a footballer should be yeah, but yeah he even yeah. smells good when he's playing <laughs> well we can try and find that out for you next week on Planet <laughs> Football if you want uh, yeah he just glides about and and Valencia have had a great transfer policy in recent years, you know, they're still having to try and balance the books because they haven't been able mm. to, even though they've sold Villa and David Silva for big money. Um, but the players they bring in, they do seem to spot them. Yeah. Um, bizarre events at Real Madrid. They got beat again this time at Granada. They're basically just totally focused on the Champions League now, aren't they? Yeah, even Ronaldo can't be bothered scoring an own goal. Um, and it's weird what's happening there because... It does look like they've just given up on the league. Even, the, I mean, I was speaking to you after the game where I went to the Hetafe game and they won 4-0, but they didn't even get out of second gear, you know. It was barely a struggle for them. All focus 
on the UEFA Champions League and that big Copa del Rey semi-final second leg with Barca, yeah. which is still three weeks away. Definitely. Now, in Germany, Bayern Munich won 3-0 at Mainz. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, though, were up to second after winning what was a real thriller at Bayer Leverkusen, who were second going into the game. It finished 3-2. Leverkusen have had such a good season um, and were really looking like they were going to secure themselves second. But suddenly Dortmund, having had a very rocky start to the season, have, have come back into things. A little surprise that Lewandowski got the winning goal. Dortmund were 2-0 up inside nine minutes with Royce and Wasikowski scoring, but Leverkusen got themselves back into it through Reinhardt's brace, and uh, everyone likes Borussia Dortmund, don't they, I think, at the minute. Mm. Their tw- uh, tart race is done, as we've said many times, 12 points behind Bayern, uh, but Dortmund will certainly like to secure second. And what a game that's going to be when they play Shakhtar in the uh, Champions League. Now, over in Holland, PSV, as we like to call them, yeah. are cooking on gas, my friend. <laughs> Well, they're on rocket fuel, actually. A 7-0 win. They've been clocking up big wins this season, PSV. I mean, they're only three points above Ajax, who did win at Vevevee Venlo. But PSV winning 7-0 against Ado Den Haag. And I think they had something like six different scorers, maybe even seven, including an own goal at the weekend. They've got goals from every single department. I think, again, it's going to be one of those teams that's going to be raided in the summer. I think their players are going to be pinched. Um... But a great win for them, and they're really pushing for the title now. Well, talking of players who are going to get raided in the summer, your current favourite is going to get raided in the summer, Jackson Martinez in Portugal. Yeah, absolutely dominating things in Portugal. A fantastic first season for the Colombian international. He got a hat-trick at the weekend uh, in a 4-0 victory, and he just seems to be scoring for fun. I don't know who Porto's scouts are, but they're doing a hell of a job. And, and when you had to replace Falcao, who was the focal point of that team, and they lost Hulk in the summer, it has not been a problem for them. Um, I'm just clocking up his goals here. I think it's 12 in his last 10, including his hat-trick of the weekend. cost 8.8 million euros. Not bad. I think no, it's safe to say. Not yeah. bad at all. Now... Next week, the return of the UEFA Champions League, you'll be looking forward to that. I know we're working together on that. Uh, and obviously, Liverpool's in it is uh, it's on Thursday night as well. But it's uh, it's been a long wait for it, hasn't it? We, we can't wait for that. Never mind these poxy internationals tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of a bit indifferent with internationals at times, but the, the Champions League's going to be so exciting. And what's brilliant about it is, is how it's broken up. So you get two matches a night rather than four. So there's just so much football. There's just so much football that you can watch. Um, and the Champions League's going to be absolutely brilliant. I think when the draw came out, I was so focused on Man United Real Madrid, it took me a couple of days to really clock Shakhtar's tie and what was happening there. And obviously them losing Villianta and she's a, a big loss. But... I think once it comes back round to match day, I think Man United Real Madrid is the one I'm looking forward to more than any. I have to be honest, I'm going for the obvious one. Yeah, obviously. Top man. Rob, thank you very much indeed. That's our roundup with Rob Daly of the transfer deadline news from Europe and also the weekend's review of the European Leagues. Thanks to uh, Rob Daly as ever. Next up, we're going to preview the internationals, which are taking place tomorrow, uh, basically throughout the course of the day. And we're going to do a special feature on... The fortunes of Scottish football at the moment. This is 105.9 City Talk. This is Planet Football. I'm John Bradley. Premier League, European and International.
International Planet Football City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Planet Football. This is 105.9 City Talk with me, John Bradley. This week, it is International Week, of course. Normally, of course, when they're important international games, they cancel the, the league fixtures before. But because it's a nonsensical, pointless international week, and it is, because it's just in the way of important matches, European games start next week. We've had the FA Cup, we've got the Premier League, you know, and it's just daft to have it now. But, you know, as it is, these are important Cash cows for many FAs, uh, but you have sides that are ravaged with pullouts and injuries. Four ties stand out from the games that are being played tomorrow. England take on Brazil, uh, Wembley. That's to celebrate the FA's 150th anniversary. You don't really need me to tell you much about it. What I will say is look out for Lucas Moura, who we've already talked about on Planet Football from Paris Saint-Germain. Wonderful, wonderful player. Have a look at the left-back as well, if he plays Felipe Luis from Atletico Madrid. I'm a big fan of his. Ulk uh, from Zenit St. Petersburg. A lot of Liverpool fans will want to keep an eye on him ahead of the Europa League games next week. And obviously Neymar uh, of Santos, who we all know is a, is a wonderful talent in that one. Uh, France take on Germany. That's, that's going to be a decent one. Rafael Varane, just 19 years old, but looking very accomplished at Real Madrid, will make his debut in that, as will Roman Alessandrini of Rennes. He's called up for the first time. Seven of the squad, the 23 selected for France, play their football in England. Most of them at Newcastle. Ha ha. Let's have a laugh at that. Germany have picked only one striker in their 23-man squad. Uh, Miroslav Klose is injured. Mario Gomes uh, is the man who will play up front. Interested to see if Schalke's uh, Julian Draxler gets another cap he's only 19 years old but already has a couple of caps and Dortmund's Ilke Gundogan is also selected as well mouthwatching clash over in Doha uh, that's where Spain take on Uruguay there are the usual faces in the Uruguay squad, the Luis Suarez, Diego Forlans, Edison Cavani and, and co. Uh, but there's three potential debutants in the Spanish squad. Uh, interested to see if they get on. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta, who I like from Chelsea, think he's a decent fullback. Uh, Mario Suarez, who's a sitting midfielder, plays for Atletico. And the brilliant talent, uh, the wonderful talent, someone who potentially is better than David Silva in Isco. He should make his Spanish debut in that game. The other game that I wouldn't mind watching is Holland-Italy. Um, most notable names in the Italy squad, which is a lot more experienced than the Dutch squad. Uh, Marco Verratti of PSG, the central midfielder. Alessandro Florenzi of Roma, who's only 21. And El Sharawi from Milan, who we've already talked about. He's also involved in that. Youthful-looking Dutch squad, though. Really with a, an eye on the future. Dirk Kout is in there. But some real talent for the future. Ola John of Benfica, uh, Jordi Klassi, Daryl Janmat and Stefan de Vry from Feyenoord. Kevin Strootman and Jermaine Lons from PSV. Lons has, I think, four goals in eight internationals so far. Uh, of Ajax, the excellent young Dali Blind and Ricardo van Rijn. Marco van Ginkel of Vitesse and the brilliant talent that is 19-year-old Adam Meyer of AZ Alkmaar. Swansea Jonathan de Guzman is also in the squad as well. They're the four big games. Uh, ahead in the friendly internationals which are being played tomorrow right we go around the world on planet football we go all over the world on planet football but somewhere we haven't been so far is to scotland 
And so I thought it'd be a good opportunity to have a look at what's happening in Scotland and how things are developing up there. And joining us on the phone is Hibernian's fullback, a very old friend of mine, Alan Mabry. Good evening, Alan. Good evening. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good man, good man. How's Scotland today? Uh, cold in. Raining? Yeah, cold. <laughs> uh, no, just the snow today. Is it snowing, is it? Yeah, blizzards. Really heavy, or? Yeah. Oh, right. So, a uh, couple of uh, kind of under-20s games got called off tonight. Uh, around under-20 games called off, so that's disappointing. They've not played for a couple of months now. Now, you're at Hibernian. Um, yeah. You're fourth in the Scottish Premier League at the moment. Celtic are 15 points clear. Rangers have gone, obviously, there in the third division. Is it, obviously, a formality now in Scotland, and is it hard retaining people's interest? Uh, I think, um, for a long time, people uh, kind of kept with Celtic, and up until maybe Christmas, there wasn't a lot in it. Um, but I think, deep down, everyone knew... Um, they'll just kick on eventually. They'll, they have the bigger squad, the bigger budget, um, the better players, essentially. Um, and I don't think it'll be a surprise to anyone if Celtic win the, in, uh, win the league by uh, quite a big margin in the end. Um, probably what makes it a little bit more interesting this year than other years is that every other club is now fighting for second and third in places in Europe. Um, you can correct me on this status if I'm wrong, but... I heard that Celtic have also lost more games this season than they did last season when Rangers were in the league. Yeah. Um, but everyone else now thinks they can they can compete, and uh, there's only nine points split second and second bottom. Um, so by taking Rangers out, everyone's taking points off each other. So out with uh, Celtic this season, it probably makes it a lot more interesting for fans of these other clubs. Now, with your budgets up there now. It is very difficult, you know, there's you, Inverness, Cali, Motherwell, uh, all fighting for that second spot at the moment. And you're all basically operating on, on, on tiny budget, small wages, aren't you? Essentially, yeah. Um, we, we don't have the, the big TV money you have in England. Um, we do have a Sky deal, we do have ESPN, um, and also BBC um, have highlight packages and, and, and games. Um, but it's nowhere near the money that's, that's uh, in the English league. So um, people obviously uh, cut their cloth accordingly and it's um, much smaller wages, uh, smaller playing staff, young lads given a lot more of an opportunity. I was um, going to say that because obviously it is promoting young Scottish players and for a long, long time, and it did affect the Scottish national team. I know you're a former Republic of Ireland international, but you've been up there a long time now. Are you seeing better young Scottish players coming through now because they see the chances up there? I think so. I think you've kind of had a couple of cycles of this um, a couple of years ago when the likes of Scott Brown uh, and Stephen Fletcher were given opportunities at Hibs um, at a young age and played a lot of games before they, they kind of got their big money moves. Um, and that same thing's kind of happening now. Um, it's difficult to say whether um, the players that then haven't played a lot of games in early age are moving on at the right time. Uh, Fraser Five, he's gone to Wigan. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he's played a lot of games. Uh, uh, Boy Fraser from Aberdeen, young lads just signed for Bournemouth in this window. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many games they get now kind of when they've moved on to kind of uh, clubs down in England. Do you know, um, that's, that, that says, I mean, you know, you talk about a, a boy going from the Scottish Premier League for Aberdeen, you know, a team that, that, that is essentially a big club. We see them as a big club because they've had European success. I know it was 30 years ago and stuff. But you say Aberdeen, you say they're a big club. Hearts and Hibs, you say they're big clubs. Rangers, Celtic. But 
Boys from there are now going to League One because they can get better wages in League One in England. Well, that's it. Like, you know, we, I'm not sure quite what our average is, but we, you know, for the recent cup games um, against Celtic and that, we've had 16, 17, 18,000 hour games. Um, uh, Aberdeen can get similar sort of numbers, so, so can Hart. Um, but as I say, the, the TV money um, that you get in England isn't here, so lads are moving on definitely for uh, more opportunities, uh, better wages and whatnot down in England. Um, I'd say it's just whether it's the right time to go. Um, I'm not sure how many games uh, Fraser has played for um, mm. Aberdeen, but you know, you maybe you have to take these opportunities when they come up. Now, you played in the Premier League with Leeds United, you played in the Champions League, you played in the UEFA Cup with Leeds United, you played for Leicester in the Championship, uh, and now, obviously, you're up in Scotland as well. You obviously still watch a fair bit of English football uh, when time allows. How does the comparison go now? Scottish Premier League compared to the English League, what sort of level is it? Is it Championship, decent Championship? <laughs> It's kind of hard to make a comparison There's, because smaller squads um, and, and different things in in a, a an SPL squad kind of out with uh, Celtic, you probably have lads who are kind of at all those levels. There's, there's young lads who, shall I say, have gone down to the Premiership teams um, and will come through and do well, if not certainly getting the opportunity straight away. There's certainly lads who are more than capable of signing for Championship clubs, and we've we've signed lads from Coventry, Barnsley. Um, and a number of uh, championship clubs recently, um, and then there's you know League One, League Two. It's just more of a mix across across the board, um, but probably it's competitive because um, everyone's much of a muchness on the on the um, size of squads and mm. uh, kind of finances, um, and it, uh, although you don't have the the numbers um, of, of teams in the league like you do in the championship. But I'd say there's nine points this year, split second and second bottom. Yeah. Um, and it's probably more of a mix across the squad. Um, and there's certainly lads um, at the clubs up here that are more than capable of going down and doing well in the in the in the better leagues in England. Um, but you're handpicking them uh, rather than saying, "Oh, well, that team could go down and and do 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 well in England." Is I know when, yeah, sorry, Paul. Sorry, I know when we played the Hearts team. I played in the did very well and finished third two years in a row. Out. So he tell the commanders that Craig Levine felt we could go down and we could compete in the championship because there was no teams as good as Rangers and Celtic. But what there was was probably 15 teams as good as our Hearts team. Yeah. So it, it's 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 hard to compare, you know, like for like. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, last week, well, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Celtic got beat by St Mirren in the League Cup semi-final. And if they play like that against Juventus, they're going to get absolutely wellied. But they won't do, will they? Uh, and have you been surprised by them in Europe this year? Um, no, I think it's always a special night when they play at home in Europe. Um, they're a match for anyone. Um, they seem to raise it. Uh, the crowd seems to add an extra spring in their step. And no matter who they play over the years, they've always competed at home. Um, this year they've managed to pick results up away as well. So they've been they've been competitive. Um Going back to whether uh, Rangers in the league has maybe not been in the league, sorry, has hindered them because they lack a competitive edge. As mm. you say now, they're, they're 15 points clear, um, and whether they can keep their focus week in, week out. Um, but all all through the, the European um, 
campaign before Christmas. They, they found it hard to get results after European night. So yeah. whether it's such a high for them to then come back to the, the league or the cup or whatever it is and they can't you know, lift themselves, um, whereas obviously the other team's playing them, it's their big game. So they'll lift it against Celtic. So there's the different challenges up here. And, but I've, I've no doubt they'll more than compete against Juventus uh, next week. Well, you were a young boy in that Leeds side that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, what, back in 2001. Um was it great being the underdog and no one expected anything? Yeah, I think we played on it as well. Um, David O'Leary, uh, you know, certainly was playing it all down in, in in the media that no one gave us a chance. We just got, went out and played. Um, we made sure we were hard to beat, but it was kind of there was a freedom to play and say so no one gave us a chance. And we just kept picking up result after result, and with that comes confidence. And then once you get to the kind of latter stages, you know, you think you never know how far you can go. Yeah. And um, so it's it's certainly. Um, it can be an advantage. There's no pressure on you, even when they play at home. You know that you know Barcelona, Juventus, they'll they'll just fancy themselves, but nobody else will. So it, it can can they just go and play and, and see what happens? Listen, I must ask you. You're a, a former Republic of Ireland international. They've got Poland tomorrow. It's a very young-looking squad nowadays, and, and there's not many big names left in it anymore. What was the view of the Irish squad these days? I think it's difficult. I think. Uh, the, the, uh, the amount of top quality players that we used to have we used to seem to just roll them off year after year. Um, maybe isn't there or the lads, you know, they're playing in the championship or, or you know, trying to get in at big clubs and maybe not playing like as as they used to when when I played or I'm not saying it was me, but you know, like the, the, the people around me. Um, and it's just it's just hard, you know. What I mean, the, the Irish lads, uh, if that's the best group we've got, and it's trying to build for something again. You know, they got to the last European Championships, which is which is a big plus, but then didn't perform very well there. So it's so the rebuilding going on, and it's it's going to take some time. Um, and just remains to be seen whether these these players will will kick on to the heights that were kind of the players have gone before. Yeah, I think it's important as well that James McCarthy sorted out his little exile now, hasn't he? And he's very much back in it because he looks a decent player. Uh, yeah, we've seen him plenty at Wigan. Yeah, there's some there is some real good players out there, and you know, they're trying to get their opportunity in, in big Premiership teams or. Uh, doing well, top of the championship and and whatnot, um, and they just need to play games and be given the opportunity. And um, you know, there's, there's talk about you know some of the real big clubs in for James McCarthy. So um, there is there's the talent out there, um, but it, it's just trying to put it all together, build a new team, and, and, and see where it takes us. Listen, I could talk to you all day, uh, and I probably will when I next see you. <laughs> but thanks for joining us on Planet Football. Albert. We really wish you well for the rest of the season with Hibs as well. Go and clinch that second spot because that be, that'd be a great achievement with uh, your budget and your squad up there. So good luck for the rest of the campaign. No problem. Thanks very much. Thanks, Paul. That's Alan Mabry, the Hibernian fullback and former Republic of Ireland international, joining us on Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. And that is it for Planet Football this Tuesday night. It's been another great show got through plenty next week we'll preview the champions league we'll have a big preview of liverpool versus zenit as well make sure you join us for that but from john bradley for now see you later planet football city talk 105.9